This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast for the 28th of August. And we're back with the uh, hype-stealing title and co-host, Dave. Hi, Dave. So this time, are we actually going to talk about anything in the title? I don't know, because I had a couple of bullets in a prep. We did bullet one last time. We're still <laughs> one bullet away from the containers, but let, let's try. Let's, let's, let's do, let's All do right. this. We'll, 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 give it, we'll give it a go. Everybody so grab yes, a cup of coffee. We're, we're, strap in. Oh, yes. Yeah, we're, we're back. We're back talking about... Uh, about I, I mean, this, this is, I guess, tech history, but we're, we're slowly creeping towards the present. Although, that being said, our first sort of... Uh, our first element on this is, uh, is a little bit dated. But uh, let's let's get into it. It's not dated. It's um, well, they don't make them like they used to, and I'm talking specifically about jails here. And I'm not talking about any kind of penal system. Jails was the uh, original way of doing a fully multi-tenant system. And if people remember our last episode, we kind of ended up the ended with the negatives of virtual machines, and the negatives were mostly heavy, bloated, not very agile, and moving more and more to the microservices world, it became too much of an overhead to have every application isolated to a virtual machine. Mm -hmm. And when people are looking at solving this, they kind of grab back to a thing that existed in the very early days of real computing, let's call it, and those were the Linux or Unix in those days, jails. So the... It was actually Unix v7 uh, that introduced the Chirrut call, and the it, it is literally Chirrut is just a shortened version of change root. So it is a a process that you run, and you you basically run it with a path on a file system, and from that point onwards, essentially everything there believes that that path that you passed it, that is its route. It can't see anything or supposed not to be able to see anything outside or below that. So you you would essentially still see all of the processes you know, running within uh, the, the same sort of server, but the the, the sort of a, a lightweight method of separation and it it probably feels very similar to people who are now thinking about uh, containerization today. It's also a very naive way of doing the isolation because the, it was a simpler day. We didn't have Intel <laughs> CPUs with uh, a lot of bugs in it or people trying to hack you. So by having the person isolated, jailed, in fact, to his little part of the operating system, but still having access to the full compute memory or whatever, because, again, for people who know about C groups, that wasn't in play at all at the beginning. But still having that isolation to the file system already allowed you to install competing libraries. If you wanted to have Python, I don't know, in those days, Python 1, then I want to Python 2. <laughs> <laughs> that was not possible unless you did these kinds of jails. And for people who are actually running Python, the whole virtual env idea is pretty much stolen from the jails idea. It's less stringent, yeah. but it's the same idea, having a different route with everything underneath there. So just just a, just a little bit of history here. So 
Chirrut, as I said, came with Unix V7 in 1979. It was added to BSD in, in 1982. So it took a while for it to get, you know, popularity outside of just the, the old school Unix. And it wasn't actually until 2000, believe it or not, that it made forward, uh, made it into FreeBSD, and that's where the term jails actually came forward. So that that was where um, the that sort of term started, and the the FreeBSD jails in 2000 first gave the ability to assign an actual IP address uh, to each quote unquote sort of system or um, or sort of instance or configuration within a jail. Yeah, I would assume at that point that uh, C groups or something like C groups was also available then because if you were able to separate your drivers or hardware NICs, things like that, then it must be more than just a file system isolation. Now, I do run a, f a free NAS file server here, which is based on uh, FreeBSD and not anymore, but before I had some jails running on there. And it was indeed a kind of a Frankenstein monster of having the old root system, but with some parts of the hardware, if you want to call it hardware, logical hardware, also made available for the IP that was mostly based on the IP aliasing system. We just had IP aliases there, which you could use within the jail. Um, the host could see all of them. Your jail was limited to only the one alias that was added to that. And you shouldn't need C groups for that. So basically, yeah, I'm contradicting myself, which I do often. Indeed. <laughs> and, and that is absolutely the case because actually C groups, um, and so they were originally called um, process containers, mm -hmm. uh, don't come until 2006. So yeah. we're, we're a little way away from that back in the early 2000s. But we did see uh, more technology coming along in, in a similar vein. So you had, in 2001, hot on the, uh, the tails of free BSD jails. Uh, and let's see if you remember this. The, so that was in, the, in the, the, the free BSD slash BSD world. It wasn't until 2001 that Linux had its first vServer. I'm not sure whether you ever played with that, which was... So that was it, a similar sort of mechanism to jails. Um, it was a bunch of kernel patches. It never got, I don't think it ever got merged into the mainstream kernel, um, but the, uh, the last patches came out in 2006. So it was still being developed well on into sort of mid-2000s. To, mid, uh, mid so the, the next iteration that most people will probably be familiar with if they've been playing around with with this for any length of time though and this is where for me the sort of the whole cheroot jail uh, and container thing was was a, a little bit interlinked is 2004 when solaris containers came out and this on the linux was 2006 solaris 2004 so I was thinking Linux, Linux was after Solaris, I would assume. So uh, Linux vServer, that the early stuff was 2001. Wow. Solaris Containers 2004. Then the the one that you're probably sort of starting to think about is OpenVZ, oh. which was <laughs> which yeah. was 2005, just afterwards. But the interesting yes. thing with Solaris Containers in 2004 is that 
it, it was the first time that I remember at least seeing the mixture of features, both sort of OS level and underlying file system level, because they bought in at the same time ZFS. And so a lot of the kind of um, things that you'd rely on for your containerization management platform were heavily interlinked into the, the features that ZFS gave you with snapshotting and uh, cloning and things like that. And it made, I mean, I, I've never been a particular fan of, of you know, Sonos back in the day or Solaris was, was later. Uh, but I do think the, the kind of Solaris container sort of environment, I guess, was, was very, was a very powerful thing back at that time when, you know, 2004, Solaris, you know, HPOX, AIX, all of the big iron um, sort of uh, vendors uh, at that time were really kind of fighting to stay relevant against the, at that time, sort of the, the onslaught of, of Linux in the data centers was really, um, you know, powering up at that point, and they were it was a real battleground for between some some fairly major players and i i actually think at that point solaris had the edge the the zfs with yeah. the solaris containers was very very powerful yeah in those days i was working for silicon graphics which was a big competitor for uh, against sun uh, yeah. irix the sdi unix fee bsd amalgam didn't have anything more than Shrewd because they were very much no. in the supercomputing sphere, so they didn't really care about that. But Suns, I mean, at those days, I think every web server, everything on the internet was based on some kind of Solaris box. So I wouldn't be surprised at exactly what you say, that the whole jailing system has been promoted and made the hype because Solaris was able to push it and make it available. And don't forget that those machines weren't cheap those Solaris boxes cost a lot of money. So as you said, talked about last time, yeah. uh, being able to use this, uh, sorry about that, I should have muted my phone. Bad podcasting <laughs> etiquette. Uh, but being able to use those expensive Solaris boxes for more than the one workload through the use of jails and make it uh, backupable, snapshotable, whatever upable you wanted to make, that mm. was a big boon for that uh, for that era, let's say. Yeah, I never, yeah. never thought of it like that. Cool. yeah. And then, so we, I touched on it briefly earlier as we were talking about um, the sort of advance of, of, of Linux in the, in the sort of the, the JL space. And this, is, this was OpenVZ, which I don't know if, as I say, I don't know if you ever played with it. I remember fiddling with it briefly. This came out in 2005. It never, never made it into the official kernel. It was always, you were downloading, oh, well, you were either patching your own kernel or you Obviously. were downloading um, sort of pre-built kernels that had this already built in. It was it was kind of cool. It did work, but there were a lot of, of sharp edges on it. It's, it is, um, it's very clear why it never made it into the mainstream kernel. It, it, it was quite interesting. I remember like spinning up a lot of um, OpenVZ sort of jails slash containers slash call them whatever you like and being quite impressed with the resource management that you could do with it it was it was a level above um 
what you've been able to do with cheroots to that point. You know, we didn't have C groups yet, though that's coming soon, um, but it, it had some level of, um, of sort of quota manipulation, if you like, and resource management. And, and the isolation was better than we'd seen with, uh, um, with just a standard cheroot at that point. But it was, it was, it was an interesting experiment. Um, I don't know when the, when the last releases of any of the OpenVZ patches came out, but before, before we'd started the research for this episode, I, I'd forgotten about it completely. <laughs> it had faded from my memory entirely. Yeah. But, but I think it also, while you're talking about how this changed over time, that was already trying to combat the limitations of the whole jail system, right? Because the big advantage yeah. of jails was lightweight. Uh, your jails didn't contain a kernel, usually also didn't contain all of the OS libraries and binaries because those could be linked through symbolic link systems into your jail. So your jail was very small, really, I mean, your application was 90% of the content of the jail environment, or you were doing it wrong, basically. The disadvantage yeah. is all the things that uh, vServe and things like that try to add, the isolation part, and that's getting more and more important over the years when you're talking about security, privacy, uh, real isolation of devices, hardware, software, whatever. And that's something that JLS totally didn't do. Since you were sharing the kernel with the host operating system, anything the kernel kind of touched, if you were root in the jail, you were pretty much able to do whatever you wanted with the kernel there as well. So typically you did not give people root access in their jails. Not entirely sure yeah. about Twist server and things like that, but that would have been yeah. bad. But also the yeah. network cards, if you put a, a sniffer on there, every packet went to that hardware, so you could just take everything you wanted to. And that was basically the main reason that jails, uh, while the concept is still alive and well, and I've got a Proxmox server running here that does little more than running jails, to be honest, it's not something that could be used on the, the big, bad, dangerous, internet-aware world that we are living in today. So good things very small, bad things. Isolation really wasn't good. Yeah, I, I do remember it, the, I think it was, a, it was another large financial services organization that was still running a lot of uh, internal web servers on, um, on a Linux sort of root slash jail based um, service even up into the kind of it would have been towards 2010 or thereabouts and they were they were exploring all kinds of other newfangled at that time ways of you know doing the same thing and they were they eventually they went back to the essentially a slightly updated version of the way that they were still doing things because it was just such an efficient way to both from a, mm -hmm. a you know an overhead perspective um, for both CPU disk memory like everything it was just such an incredibly efficient way to do kind of mass spinning up of very very similar um, applications uh, like that that there was just really nothing to touch it in terms of efficiency. Yeah. And yeah, you did need to be very, very careful with security. One one compromise 
almost anywhere on that system and you're hosed. <laughs> you have you have very, very paper thin levels of of security really. So they they did have to put a lot of time and effort into perimeter security to make that be something that would pass auditors. But the the savings that they had on efficiency were just mind blowing. Yeah, security-wise, looking at all the bugs in the hardware CPU chips these days, we're back in those eras. So does, things yeah. haven't changed that much. But yeah, I always found true. Jails very useful from the infrastructure management point of view because a backup, for instance, you only had to backup the hard disk of the host because yep. it contained everything. All of the Jails there were just subdirectories on your file system. So that was very easy to backup, manage, migrate, whatever. And yeah. the whole containerization thing only make things a lot harder. Think about your networking. It's an alias on AIP and that's it. It just works. No pro- no firewall. It, Who cares? <laughs> it's, it's kind of interesting because we were talking, obviously, last episode about virtualization, which, which to me is on like one end of that spectrum where you've got something that is very, it ends up being very, very heavyweight, very, very... Um, it can be very difficult to maintain and, and, and so so fraught with challenges. And then on the other end of this spectrum, we've just been talking about jails and truths, and it's so simple. It's so efficient. It's so nice to work with. And, and you couldn't, I don't think you could come up with any anything that was further apart from those kind of two approaches. And I think it's no surprise in hindsight that when we do get to the point where we start talking about containers, containers to me are, are like this this weird middle ground that that actually we, we tried we tried one end of the spectrum and we didn't like that. That was too hot. We tried the other end of the spectrum and, and that was too cold and and as we do get to containers, maybe that's just right. It's the Goldilocks paradox all over yeah. again. <laughs> now before we go on containers, I spent a lot of time on this, so I do want to show my little graphic I built just to demonstrate how the weight difference is between virtual machines and containers or jails are. And just to give the, the, the idea here, the thing that when I made this also made me think twice, apart from losing the guest kernel in the uh, containers mm-hmm. or jails, the container engine itself, uh, as you say right now, in the time of the shroots and the jails, was practically non-existent. It was just a command yeah. that was part of your it Linux wasn't kernel. Even, it wasn't even a line there. <laughs> there wasn't even a line there. Why the hypervisor and paravirtual drives were a big chunky, yeah. complex, hard to understand and maintain line. And yeah. they're just visually showing the difference between uh, the two worlds there. But, and we finally reached our title, going into containers. Well, we, oh, no, we, no, no, we, no. we have, but we haven't, I'm afraid, because there's, there's still more of this, this true slash jail story to come. We've touched on it a handful of times, but in 2006, Google um, released a bunch of source code around something that back then they were calling process containers, which finally gave people using um, you know, Chirut or jail-based systems a method of properly um, sort of accounting or isolating resource usage, whether it's CPU, memory, disk IO, or network, to a collection of processes 
Now, this was eventually renamed uh, C groups or control groups um, in, that was a year, so 2007, and it was merged into the, the 2.6 kernel later on. And this is the first, um, this is the first sort of real step forward into, uh, you know, containers that are, that had a method of being more accurately uh, controlled didn't have a chance of totally running away with your system. It did cause a lot of challenges because people, you know, C groups were, I mean, they came into the kernel in 2624. They worked reasonably well, but I think it was CPU and memory C groups were quite mature and worked reasonably well. But I seem to recall um, disk IO was problematic for quite some time. And there were some things you couldn't do very effectively until quite a bit later. Yeah, the, I mean, the C groups allowed you. Actually, that's a funny thing. You said accounting of resources. And thinking of that, the first time I encountered C groups in my professional life uh, was precisely for chargebacking. Mm. We, are, we had a shared computing environment. It was a HPC environment that used jails to dedicate certain pieces of the hardware to projects. And they needed a way to be able to charge back. You spend X amount of RAM usage and CPU core usage. And that's hard to do if it changes all the time. So by being able to encapsulate a, a block of resources nicely covered by a process group or a C group later on, that was able, okay, you will be paying for one tenth of the hardware of the next four years. And this is how we promise you, guarantee you availability of that thing. So it was not to do with security of isolation or something like that. It was purely a, an accounting thing. <laughs> That's kind yeah. of funny. So I, th I think now, even though the, the uh, C groups was originally called process containers, I think we can now start to talk about containers, although I'm still going to... Uh, I think the, the one of the pieces that was right on the... The threshold, and I don't know where you think this fits, but LXC, so process containers slash C groups came out in 2006. LXC, which was you know, Linux containers, I personally see, despite their name, I see them as still being like really like the pinnacle of Cheroot and Jail. I, I don't know yeah. if you do you agree or disagree. Yeah, for me, the LXC, the Linux container, is the jail that's basically having that root environment with a limited uh, process groups, not the C groups capabilities. Those together, those became the LXC containers. And that's yep. what I'm actually running my OBS, my virtual machine, my Jitsi Meet group on. They're all LXC containers on my Proxmox server that's over there in the corner. And that's a simple eight core system that I couldn't do all this with virtual machines there because it simply doesn't have the cores and the, and the RAM for it, mainly the RAM. Yeah. But by using these LXC containers, very lightweight, and it's only a single user uh, system, I'm the only one playing with this thing. So security, I don't really care as long as I have a firewall to the system. The containers themselves yeah. don't care. 
it's ideal. It's perfect. It's lightweight. I can run, a, I said a couple of things, I run a lot more on that thing. And it just keeps yeah. on chugging along. It's stable. It upgrades easily. Backups, snapshots, because snapshots also part to the ZFS system, which also added to yeah. it. And I do think that you can only have real LXC manageable environments if you have some kind of snapshot aware file system underneath because apart from doing the backups um, you also want to have some kind of uh, how do you call that rollback availability without having to plug in tape somewhere <laughs> just yeah. install something well, make a snapshot first then upgrade or install whatever if it doesn't work roll back you go up and running again and that makes it very easy so yeah Okay. So, in, so in that case, there's a little bit more um, transition to this story before we get to to fully blown containers. Sorry, people. I tried um, to go to containers. You see, I'm going to put them you big tried, in the picture. But it's I'm, all I'm his not going to let you. I'm not going <laughs> to let you. So, let's see if if uh, we'll have a, a very very short quiz. Do you remember Warden? I do remember the name. I'm thinking it's more of a firewall-ish thing, though. No. So Cloud Foundry, remember that? Uh, Started still Warden in 2011, and that used LXC initially, mm-hmm. but they replaced it with their own um, their own implementation later. It has isolation support for any operating system, uh, runs as a daemon, provides an API for quote-unquote container management and has a includes a service for C group and namespace management and all that sort of thing. And Did you say it had multiple OS support? So different yes. OSs? Yes. Because that's something we haven't talked about yet, that a jail or a container, you uh, you talk, you, I don't want to see what you're talking Yeah. So, so this, this I, I don't remember this at all. I have looked it up since and it it does actually appear to be real this isn't uh, this isn't fake news but that had completely passed me by i don't i don't ever remember seeing or hearing about it and then in 2013 we we saw something else that i don't remember so do you remember the terribly named lmctfy no never heard of it never heard of it so it stands for let me contain that for you. <laughs> so 2013, it was kicked off as an open source version of Google's container stack. And this will sound familiar to anybody that uh, that understands where Kubernetes came from. But essentially, it, it sort of uh, died on the vine by 2015. And the reason for that, and this is the the sort of the final bit, I think, of the transition, is Docker. Docker came along in 2013, and it was originally uh, also used LXC uh, in its initial stages, but it did replace that with its own container management um, later on. And that was the start of the... uh, of the true sort of container uh, direction, should we say. See, told you we'd get to containers. <laughs> yes, but before we go into containers, <laughs> I do want to, again, just iterate uh, what I just said there. The 
uh, one of the big differences we actually didn't talk about between the virtual machine environment and the Linux container environment is because the kernel is shared in containers, it's impossible to run a Windows host on a Linux container system. Yeah. And since Windows up until very recently didn't have anything containerish on the Windows part, you were unable to run Windows in anything but a virtual machine. Now, if you have a virtualization environment with Xen, Hyper-V, KVM, whatever, VirtualBox, Parallels, it's kernel independent. Oh, Parallels, not entirely. It's uh, kernel in- independent, so you can have your mm-hmm. Linux host run Solaris, Windows, 64-bit, 32-bit, it's totally separated, but that doesn't work in the container space. And in the beginning, that was actually a big hurdle. That was actually a reason why people didn't want to go from virtual machines to the containerization because they felt it as a loss of functionality. But that being said, if you're really running a lot of virtual machines with Windows OSs in there, and they're not VDIs, virtual desktop environments, because that's a totally different thing. But if you're running web servers or mail servers in a virtualized environment, even Microsoft kind of admits at the moment that Linux is pretty good for virtualization. So you should maybe not go there. Just want to make sure that that differentiation is definitely available, because uh, again, looking mm-hmm. at a little graph I made, I'm going to push it until it's dead. The host OS, the host kernel, is the same kernel you have running in your containers, in your LXC environments. So again, yeah, um, yeah you're, you're kind of tied to that. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're running a CentOS host, that you can't run a Debian server or uh, Ubuntu or whatever, because this is kernel-based. And all of these Linux distributions, they use the same Linux kernel. Again, Linux is just a kernel. GNU Linux is what we call the uh, distributions in the past, and these days it's GNU plus a lot of more stuff. <laughs> I'm not sure what the correct wording is anymore, but the Linux is actually only the kernel and the kernel drivers, I guess. And those yep. are used by all of the Linux distributions out there, obviously. But with that, uh, looking at the timer, we have hit the magic 30 minutes again. We've at least mentioned containers twice. <laughs> And it is the next <laughs> bullet on our list of things to talk about. So I'm pretty sure next episode we will be able to really go into the containers talk. And as they've already said at the beginning of the first of the next ep- uh, no the previous episode, it's a clickbait title. So you kind of have to milk us for that word, right? <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. And with that, unless there's anything else from you, no, nope, I'm done with jails. I'm free again. All right. Well, in that case, that is all the time we have today. At least we got the containers this time-ish. You can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon. Every contribution helps. The more contributions we get, the more likely we'll actually cover the things that we talk about in the titles. We are on YouTube. Please like, subscribe, comment on Yon's Curtains, hit the notification bell, all the YouTube things. Please go to www.roaringelephant.org for a link to our Patreon page. And for more information about this podcast, you can also follow us on Twitter using the at Hadoopcast. No, even I got it wrong this time. It's the <laughs> at Roaring Elephant tag. And send your feedback to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Damn you, Jan. Damn you. Until the next time, my name is uh, Out of Jail Dave. And my name is At Last I Got Vindicated. He got it wrong too. Jan. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Goodbye. See you then.